Hello, and welcome to the Federal Contracting Made Easy podcast, where we take the complex world of government contracting and break it into simple steps that any small business owner can master. Now, let me introduce your host, Nancy Byerly. Hello, and welcome to the wonderful world of government contracting. I'm your host, Nancy. It is our goal to take the complex world of government contracting and break it into simple steps that anyone can master. Today, we're on episode number 101, and our topic is on protest, A-Day set-asides, and other miscellaneous information. Also, we still have our giveaway running. If you would like to get in on our giveaway, I'll have a link in today's show notes, but we're giving away four books. All the books are on the Small Business Guide to Government Contracting, written by Stephen J. Co-prints. For more information, see our link in today's show notes. Let's roll that intro now. Welcome back. So let's do a little review. What is a protest? In government contracting, a protest is a challenge to the award or proposed award of a contract for procurement of goods and or services. Or it's a challenge to the terms contained in the solicitation. Remember, there are three ways that you can protest. You can protest through the agency, which is the preferred method. You can protest to the government's accountability office. Or lastly, you can file a claim with the U.S. Court of Federal Claims. Now let's go over some general information. Anytime a protest is filed, contracting officers are going to seek legal advice either before or after award and whether filed directly with that agency through the government's accountability office or through the U.S. Court of Federal Claims. Now, the Federal Acquisition Register, known as the FAR, has provided guidance on this. I'm going to include information on where to find more information depending on the type of set-aside that your business qualifies for. Because each program has its own set-aside information that's contained within. I'll be discussing the 8A program more in detail later on, but let's talk about small business. If you're a small business, and all these are going to be covered in FAR Part 19. Everyone is in FAR Part 19 to make this easy. So these four are in FAR Part 19. Protest a small business. FAR Part 19.302. If you're a small disadvantaged business, you're going to go to 19.305. If you're a hub zone, 19.306. If you're a service-stable veteran, you're going to go to FAR Part 19.307. And lastly, if you're a woman-owned, your information is going to be contained in FAR 19.308. As I promised, we're going to talk about the 8A business to program separately regarding filing a protest. And we're going to specifically talk about what you can protest and what you cannot protest. That's It's different than any other program, so we're going to talk about it separately. Now, you may be wondering if you can file a protest to a sole source award or a competitive requirement. The answer to this is simple. The Code of Federal Regulations, the CFR, 
states that the eligibility of an 8A participant for a sole source or competitive requirement may not be challenged by another participant or other party either to SBA or administrative form as part of a bid or other contract program. Protest. Does this mean that I cannot protest the size of an 8A participant? Yes, you can protest the size status of an apparent successful offer on a competitive contract. You cannot, however, protest the size of an 8A sole source contract. Competitive, yes. Sole source, no. Now, can you protest the NATES code assigned to a sole source requirement? And NATES code stands for North America Industry Classification Code. It's a six-digit code that signifies the industry that you're in. And all your size determinations are made off of that whatever code it is. It has a different size status linked to it. So, can you protest the NATES code assigned to a sole source requirement? And the answer is no. The only person that can appeal a NATES code designation with respect to a sole source 8A requirement is the Associated Ministry for Business Development. This person with this authority is an SBA employee that oversees all the 8A division. Does this apply to competitive requirements? Yes, you can challenge the NATES code on competitive 8A requirements. Any interested party who has been adversely affected by the NATES code designation can appeal the decision to SBA's Offices of Hearings and Appeals, otherwise known as OHA. 13 CFR 121.1103 will contain the link for that information. In addition, anyone with information that questions the eligibility of a participant in the 8ABD program or for a specific contract can submit this information directly to SBA, and I'll have a link in today's show notes. Now that we talked about the set-aside program, let's get on with the other things, with the miscellaneous stuff. So what happens if the solicitation, proposed award, or award does not comply with federal law or regulation? So if during a protest the head of the agency determines that the solicitation, proposed award, or award is not compliance with the requirements of law or regulation, the agency head may take several actions. First, the agency head can take action that has been recommended by the Comptroller General of GAO. So if if it was filed by GAO, then the Comptroller General will put in their letter back to that agency steps that they can take. Also, he or she may pay appropriate costs. And let's look at these costs in detail. If GAO made a determination that the solicitation for a contract or a proposed award, so let's look at appropriate costs. If GAO made a determination that the solicitation for a contract, a proposed award, or an award of a contract that did not comply with a statute or regulation, the GAO may recommend the agency pay the appropriate protester the cost, exclusive of profit, of filing pursuing the protest. This includes reasonable attorney fees, consultant and expert witness fees, and bid and proposal costs. The agency will use funds for that procurement to pay for the costs awarded. Now, the protester has to file its claim for costs with the contracting agency 
within 60 days after they received GAO's recommendation for the agency to pay the protester its costs. However, if you fail to file your claim within the time frame, you may forfeit your right to recover those costs. Of course, the agency will attempt to reach an agreement with you on the amount of cost to be paid. If, however, neither party can agree on the amount to be paid, GAO may recommend the amount to be paid. That is, however, if the you, the protester, requests that GAO get involved. The agency has 60 days to notify GAO of the action taken in GAO's recommendation. Now, the costs are allotted are covered by various regulations. And let's look at these costs. So, consulting and expert witness fees. For these costs, you're going to see 5 U.S.C. 3109 and 5 CFR 304.105. These regulations do not state an actual threshold. You will need to make a judgment call based on the criteria contained in these regulations. This is where your attorney is going to come in handy because they're already going to know a lot of this information. They're already going to be familiar with this. And so generally, they're going to have an idea of what fee is considered reasonable according to the government or not. Now let's look at attorney fees. Generally, if your attorney fee exceeds $150 an hour, then the government is going to look at these fees on a case-by-case -case basis. And the government's going to review the factors that could affect an attorney fee. Well, what factors? Well, they'll consider the cost of living or any special factor like the limited availability of a qualified attorney for the proceedings involved. Agency personnel will also have to have their legal department review the costs and determine the award amount. It is important to remember that any costs you receive will not be subject to subsequent proposals, billings, or claims against the government. These exclusions will be reflected on the cost agreement between you and the government. So let's say you, the government pays you the costs. And then the protest is sustained due to your intentional or ne neglectant misstatement, misrepresentation, or miscertification. The government can require you to reimburse the government for these costs. In addition, the government can also collect debt through offsetting the amount against any payment due to you under the contract and the government. What does this mean? Well, it means that the government could offset payment on another contract in order to recoup their money. So how does the government determine whether to recoup costs? When a protest is sustained by GAO, this allows the government to seek reimbursement for protest costs. The contracting officer has to determine whether that protest was sustained based on your neglect or an intentional misrepresentation. If the protest was sustained on several issues, protest costs may be appropriated according to the costs attributed to your actions. The contracting officer is going to review the amount of debt and degree of your fault in the cost of collection. Then they will determine whether a demand for reimbursement is to be made. Remember what I'm saying? If it's in the best interest of the government, well, it applies here as well. If it's in the government's best interest to seek reimbursement, the contracting officer must notify you in writing of the nature and the amount of the debt and the intention to collect by offset if necessary. 
So they, so the government's going to notify you of their intentions. Prior to issuing a final decision, the contracting officer will allow you an opportunity to inspect and copy agency records pertaining to the debt to the extent permitted by statute and regulation. In addition, you can request that the head of the contracting agency review this matter. Also, the contracting officer has an obligation to refer the matter to the agency department official. Department official can take further action such as debarment or suspension of your business from government contracting. This is something to avoid at all costs. So what about protests afterward? Remember in earlier blogs, we talked about the time frame to submit a protest. A small business has five days. A small business has five days to file a protest. However, GAO has 10 days to notify the contracting activity. As a result of this protest, the contracting officer is going to stop performance on the contract. Remember in the other videos where we talked about that the contracting agencies wishes that you resolve your protest with them first before filing a protest with GAO. But you do have the option for a GAO protest. For more information on that, see 4 CFR 21. Now remember, you cannot file a protest with GAO for integ procurement integrity violation unless you report to the contracting office the information constituting evidence of this violation within 14 days after you first discover the possible violation. Now, let's move on. The right to protest was established by an executive order. And we would be remiss if we did not provide you with that executive order that establishes a policy on agency procurement protests. And that executive order is Executive Order 12 12979. And I'm going to provide a link to that executive order in today's show notes. This executive order establishes government policy on agency protests. This executive order states that prior to submitting an agency protest that all interested parties must use their best efforts to resolve the concerns raised by that interested party. This can be accomplished at the kind of be accomplished by the contracting officer through open and frank discussions. Now, the agency is tasked with providing inexpensive, informal, simple procedures and expeditious resolution of your protest. The government may use alternative dispute resolution techniques, third-party neutrals, and other agency personnel as resolution methods. The government has established procedures to resolve agency protests. These procedures are aimed at building confidence in the government's acquisition system and ultimately reducing protests outside the agency. So the takeaway. Well... Whether to protest a bid or not is all about cost-benefit analysis. Generally, the opportunity to claim a lucrative contract is enough to justify the expenditure of time and resources. However, when the government ignores its own procurement errors and forces a contractor through unnecessary steps, it's good to know that you can possibly attain some of those costs back by filing a protest. And so protests are good. It's good for the government. It's good to keep the government in check, and it's good to keep businesses in check. 
Over the years, however, I've seen an increase in the number of protests filed. These protests are aimed at small business representation, the size of a small business, affiliation issues, just to name a few. The result is usually the protest is abstained and the small business wins contract. However, this win is at a cost to that small business. In order to defend their position, that small business has to have legal representation. The cost of this legal representation can wipe out any profits received on the potential contract. This is a business decision that the small business needs to make, but many don't think about. You think about, oh, I just got to file this. You don't think about, well, what happens if somebody files a protest? Same here. So remember, I'm going to put a, show you the book that we have on our giveaway. You're going to have to go to King Somo. I'll have a link in today's show notes to so go there and sign up and for that. And it'll be announced. Uh, it closes November 1st and it will be announced November 2nd. So stay tuned for that. We hope you enjoyed today's topic. If you, we hope you enjoyed today's topic. Next week, we're going to go through filing protests with a different.